Today's gospel, we hear one of Jesus's most liberating sayings, which happens to also be one of his most controversial sayings. The context here is that Jesus, before he goes to the cross, is speaking tenderly to his disciples. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You have faith in God, have faith also in me. He's trying to console the disciples before he goes to the cross because he's going to the Father. And as he's going to the Father, these, these words of Jesus to console them are also consoling words for us to hear at funerals. This is one of the reasons why this gospel is often chose for funerals. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Right? I'm going to prepare a place for you in my Father's house. There are many dwelling places, and I'm going to bring you to take you with me to be with the Father forever in heaven. And so this, this opportunity of Jesus to share with them about where he's going and what he's going to be doing for them causes them to ask some questions. And so Jesus says to them, where I'm going, you know the way. And Thomas says, Master, we don't, we don't, even, know, um, we, we don't even know where you're going. How can we know the way? And I think here in the, in the text, there's some legitimate confusion among the disciples as to what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is talking on a different level than the disciples. And so, so Thomas asks this question, which gives Jesus the occasion to declare what is the mo one of the most profound truths of Christianity, but it's also one of the most controversial. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Notice how he doesn't say, I am a way, I'm a truth and a life. I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so we already recognize that what Jesus is saying here is that he is the fullness of life and truth, that where there is divine life in the world, and even in other religions, where there is truth in the world, and even in people who don't believe in God, that is actually a sign of Jesus' presence. He is the fullness of life and truth. But we also see here that Jesus is declaring that he is the only way to God. He says, no one comes to the Father except through me. He is the way to God. That means Muhammad is not the way to God. Brahman is not the way to God. Any kind of vague, you know, new age philosophy is not the way to God. Jesus is. And as he declares this, it's important for us to recognize that the church clearly understood what Jesus was saying. In fact, we see in the Acts of the Apostles, the church preaching a very similar thing. Right? St. Peter is saying in Acts chapter 4, There is no salvation through anyone else, nor is there any other name under heaven given to the human race by which we are to be saved. And you might imagine that this is very politically incorrect and very difficult for some people in our culture to hear. In fact, if you think about it, it might sound to be quite arrogant to those who, who are unbelievers or those who aren't Christian. This, act, this same gospel actually was the gospel for the school mass on Friday. And I was asking all the students at the school mass, why isn't it arrogant for Jesus to say something like this? And I typically go around and ask the, the, the kids to answer. And this one kid, I think it was like fifth or sixth grade, he says, it's not arrogant because it's true. That's right. In fact, it's one of the most humble things that Jesus could say. That if it is in fact true that Jesus is the way to God, this is not at all arrogant. In fact, it's a very humble and beautiful and powerful thing for him to say. It's important as Christians for us to recognize that the reason why Jesus can say this is because of who he is. He is the eternal son of God. If people say, well, who are you to claim that Jesus is the only way to God? Actually, it's Jesus' claim. He is God. 
That's why he's the way to God. In fact, he is the God that the Father, sent, Father God, sends into the world in order to reveal who God is and to reconcile all of us to him. And that is a very, very powerful thing for us to understand. So far from being exclusive, Jesus is the most inclusive religious leader in the history of the world. He has come not just for some, he's come for everyone. He is the universal savior of the entire world. No one is left out of his salvation. There was a kid in, um, in middle school as well, this is outside of mass, who asked me a question recently. He said, Father, is it possible for non-Christians to be saved? And I said, yes, it is. And that is what the church teaches. The church teaches authoritatively that non-Christians can be saved under circum certain circumstances. And it's important for us to understand what those circumstances are. So I'm going to directly read from the Second Vatican Council. And this is what it says. Those who through no fault of their own do not know the gospel of Christ, but who nevertheless seek God with a sincere heart and moved by grace, try, to, try in their actions to do his will as they know it through the dictates of their conscience, those two may achieve eternal salvation. Right, so those who, it's not their fault that they don't know the gospel. And they're seeking to respond to grace as it's revealed to them. And they're sincerely trying to seek God and follow their conscience. The church teaches that those people can be saved. But what the problem is, and I think this, it's important for us to recognize this. The problem is, is that many Christians, especially those who don't read the Bible, or maybe perhaps don't follow, or follow the church's teaching, or even read, or even um, come to church, many Christians have interpreted the possibility of non-Christians being saved as the probability that they will be saved. That's not what the scriptures teach, and that's not what the church teaches. And so it's important for us to recognize that what the council continues to say just a couple lines down. It says this, but very, is, is, sorry, but often deceived by the evil one, men have become vain in their reasonings, have exchanged the truth of God for a lie and served the world rather than the creator or else living and dying in this world without God, they are exposed to ultimate despair. Hence, to procure the glory of God and the salvation of all of these, the church, mindful of the Lord's command, preach the gospel to every creature, takes zealous care to foster the missions. In other words, the situation of humanity is not in a neutral state toward God. St. Paul says that we, were before Christ, we were children of wrath. We were in a state of rebellion against God. And so without Christ, we have a certain kind of darkness that we're living in. So on the one hand, we can say, yes, it's possible for non-Christians to be saved, but it certainly does not look like it's likely. And so it's interesting because this is really related to what, Paul, what Peter is saying in today's second reading. Peter is emphatically saying again that in Jesus, God has called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. What kind of darkness has God called us out of? How about darkness of not knowing who God is? guessing about who God is because we don't, we don't know his revelation? Or how about darkness of not knowing who we are? Or how about the darkness of hopelessness, not having any answer or not having any revelation about death or about suffering or about God's love? Or how about the darkness of being enslaved to that brokenness inside of us that causes us to hurt and betray the very people that we love? You see, God has revealed to us his wonderful light in Jesus. And it's a light that's so wonderful that it brings us into who God is, who we are, and gives us the capacity to follow him. Not just to follow him in this life, but to be with him forever in heaven. 
That's the wonderful light that God has revealed to us in Jesus. I'll never forget that I think it was the first or second year that I was here at the parish, I, I preached a homily at a funeral now, uh, that, that kind of elicited a very intense reaction. And for those of you who've been to the homilies or been to any funerals that I do, I typically end the homily by talking about the importance of faith. And I usually say something like this, and I've been saying this for years. I'll say something like this. Faith matters because our response to God's love matters. God is not going to force us to love him forever in heaven. In the New Testament, what God is looking for, what Jesus is looking for, is a response of faith and repentance. Right? And so I pray that as we um, mourn the passing of our loved one, that we take this as an opportunity to kind of recommit ourselves to believing in Jesus and turning away from our sin so that when we die, we can see a loved one once more. And I typically end the homily like that. Well, just a couple days later, I got a, an email from the daughter of the deceased. She says, Father, how insensitive you are to, to, to claim that I need to believe in Jesus to see my loved one again, especially since my atheistic and my Jewish friends were present at the funeral. No wonder people are leaving the Catholic Church. And I remember thinking to myself, like, I was just shocked. And I thought to myself, like, well, if someone doesn't believe that Jesus is the Son of God and the Savior of the world, he or she has already left the Catholic Church. You see, let me give you an analogy about how it's not insensitive to declare that Jesus is the way. Imagine if I had the cure to cancer. I actually had the cure to every kind of cancer, and I had enough doses for the entire world. Would it be insensitive for me to declare to everyone with cancer, hey, look, I have your cure? Or would that be an actually a loving thing to do? Because without the cure, they might not make it. Maybe, perhaps, would it be unloving for me out of fear that they might not believe me for me to keep that information to myself? So it is with the gospel. What we have in Jesus is far greater than the cure to cancer. It is the cure to eternal death. It is a cure to evil in our hearts. It is a cure to the enemy's plan for us. And so my brothers and sisters, when we hear Jesus say, I am the way, the truth, and the life, this is not a bad thing. This is good news. When Jesus says, no one can come to the Father except through me, we know that Jesus is inviting all of humanity to come to the Father in him. That if anyone is saved, they're saved in and through the life of Jesus. So as we come forward to receive him this morning, I encourage you to perhaps to sincerely thank him for the gift of faith that you have. Lord, thank you for giving me the grace of faith. Thank you for putting people in my life that had the courage to share with me your very life. And perhaps we can ask Jesus for an increase of love for those who do not yet believe in Jesus so that we might have the love enough to share with them the truth of God and to work to help bring them to faith in Jesus so that together we all can live in the Father's house forever. Amen.